Okay, hello. Welcome back to the Brace Yourselves podcast. This is episode four. We are finding some consistency. However, unfortunately, this week we are slightly late due to um, conflicting schedules. You mean you mean you want to play? You wanting to play FIFA, mate? Well, that no and Ian's <laughs> desire to leave the house because he's uh, housebound a lot. So unfortunately, our schedules wouldn't align. Oh, Manchester United. Me, you make me sound like a criminal. <laughs> Can we clear <laughs> that one up? United were playing Brighton. I couldn't record a podcast while United were playing Brighton and claim I'm this diehard United fan, could I? So we we had to do a little bit of jiggery pokery when it came to the schedule, but nevertheless, here we are. So excuse us if our memory is a little bit spotty when it comes to recapping the weekend obviously the most pivotal and dramatic moments we're we're more than aware of but it is <laughs> quite far away from our from our brain and and because we're looking forward to this weekend so much and i think probably because we've had midweek football as well in terms of the carabao cup and europa league we've we've been a little bit inundated by football so there's a lot going on Three three games in five days. It's a bit it's a bit mad. Well, every single one has some. Uh, in terms of game week, I think you've had four games this week, which is absolutely mental. Yeah, I don't know Although, how. Although you've had a draw, two wins, and hopefully a loss this weekend, Ian. Oh no! I don't say that when I put my fingers across. <laughs> You're playing bad. United. Of course, I want you to lose. You absolutely yeah, get get stuffed. Yeah, I don't want to do. One of us is not going to want to do the podcast next week. I, Listen, I don't want to do the podcast tonight. I'm a broken United <laughs> fan. And we'll talk about that when we get to transfers. Right, so recapping the weekend. Lots of drama this weekend. So much drama. And I've Lots. balanced myself on the, pitch, on the edge of a off sword. The pitch, in the studio. It, it was a, oh, I haven't seen that. It's a, bit of, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Very shocking results. Uh, very entertaining mm. games. Let's start with West Brom and Chelsea, shall we? Yeah, let's now, go for it. Go to the deep end. We did say buying that many players is a risk in terms of harmonising the squad and being mm-hmm. playing as a, a cohesive unit. They're struggling to gel, in my opinion, from what I can see. This is Chelsea, yeah? Yeah, this is Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea are an interesting beast because... They look very dangerous going forward, but again, the issue seems to be defensive frailties. That's all it yeah. seems to always be. I said I thought Thiago Silva was a risk. You buy a 36-year-old player from the French League, which no offence, a lot of people call a farmer's league. There's some very good players in the French League, but the general competitive nature of the league is quite poor, or level of the league is quite poor. He is very experienced, and, it, and yeah. in some instances, people would call him an elite centre-back, right? To make that silly mistake against West Brom and to have it punished so quickly <laughs> just <sighs> amazes me. Look, oh, praise to Callum Robinson and pa- pa- praise to um, Slavin Bilic as well, because West Brom have yeah. been relentless. They've played the way they want to play. They've got that do-or-die attitude, so it's either they, they either win the game or they lose the game, and... I really respect that. Obviously, Norwich fell on that sword last season in terms of they were like, we're going to play our game, we're going to play our way, regardless of the results. And obviously, they did go down because of it. Maybe West Brom will go the same way. A lot of us, at least I did, I definitely think West Brom are going to go down. I thought they were going to, but let, let's see. But well, I, I mean, I I, think... I, let me paint you a picture, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to get my niece into football. Yeah. And we, and, we, and we had my, my niece for the weekend. So we're like, do you want to watch the Chelsea game today? Because her, her dad's a Chelsea fan. And she's like, yeah, okay, let's watch it. 
So we're sitting down. I was like, look, I said, don't worry, this is going to be a top quality game for you. I said, I don't like Chelsea, but they will smash West Brom. Please tell me she, she went home West down Brom after 27 <laughs> minutes. And she's like, oh my God, what is this? Come on, Chelsea. But unfortunately, when you're losing that badly or that emphatically, it's kind of like... I'm pretty sure that's the only introduction to being a football fan, though, right? Is seeing well, you love being crushed. That's, that's how you get into it. Maybe. But she, she became very disinterested after they went 3-0 oh, down. I'm and then, beca- then became a little bit more interested when they started their, their fight back. Now, I guess the opinion would be the fight back was impressive. I've seen a couple of people on Twitter saying, like, that's a really big point and it shows a great mentality for Chelsea. I, yeah, I think all it sh- look, it shows pedigree and experience. It shows that West Brom aren't used to this kind of play, and Chelsea are used to just continuing for the ninety minutes. And not to say West Brom weren't playing for the ninety, but it's a whole other level of game when you've come up a league, and you got to play the full ninety plus whatever. And I think it just shows that Chelsea have that level of composure and that experience. And I think that's what they were leaning on. And I still don't think they meshed as a team, but they had those individuals who would just take the ball up the pitch, who still had the stamina, etc. I don't think it wasn't like a tooth and nail fight back. It wasn't like West Brom was still up against it or like Chelsea was still going for it. You know, West Brom sort of sagged a little bit and it wasn't as impressive as they'd been in the first half. I think it just shows that Chelsea have that experience and pedigree and if, West Brom continue the way they are, they're going to learn how to progress through 90 minutes. And next time they turn up, I don't think it's going to be such an easy uh, point to win back. No, no I agree. And I, I, look, game management is something that Premier League clubs know well. West Brom has been a Premier League club in the past. I completely mm. get that. However, they did get tired towards the end. Their fitness level wasn't the same as Chelsea. However, I will say I emphatically believe that Havertz handled the ball in the third goal. I, in my eyes, okay. if that's a handball at the other end, which it would have been by the new handball rules, and we'll get on to those listeners, don't worry. Sorry, I thought you were about to segue full into that. I was ready no. to go in on the handball. Okay, if, wait. There has to be a consistency in the rules. Mm-hmm. The issue is, if that's a handball in the defensive area for an offensive player, then it has to be one for an offensive player in the attacking area. It's not fair. It's, it's not fair. You can't, you can't say that's a handball when you're on when you're on the defense but when you're on the attack it's not that's how is that fair that's not consistent and i I did feel not only because i don't like chelsea i don't want to see him do well but i don't like i just it was it was heartbreaking to me i was like west brom did really well and look yeah there was probably an element of a snowball effect like chelsea conceded one and they probably panicked a little bit new players in the back line you got two they had two new defenders they had tiago silva and they probably just panicked and then they settled in and Frank Carmen down at halftime. And no one's criticising Lampard's ability to man-manage his players because I actually think he's shown that he can be a good manager. However, mm. what I will say, if you're that defensively frail against West Brom, good luck against like the likes of Everton, Spurs, City. Yeah, indeed. They're going to struggle. They're really going to struggle. But I mean, look, you know, while it was a shame for West Brom, if we look at the lower end of the table, the it's people not, we thought were going. It's not. A, it's not a shame for West Brom, though, is it? No, it's a, no. It's a I good, mean, like, it's a good wanted, point for them. I wanted them to win. Yeah, but they still had. They were three up. Like you just wanted them to pull it off. Like the three points were theirs, and they just didn't have the ability to finish that game off, which is a shame. 
But saying that's a shame, you know, at the other end of the table, when we said who else was going to go down, it's been a great weekend for them with West Ham putting in four. Mental, that result is. Four. That, 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 that result's mental. Crazy. Yeah, as it says in my uh, notes from you, hammer time. I didn't yeah. even need to know what that was about. I knew exactly. Just, four nil. Wow. Just, that's, I can't believe. This is the thing again that I said about West Ham last week, right? The teams mm. they should lose to, they they beat, and then the teams they should beat, they lose to. I, I, listen, that's I think that's probably the worst defeat Wolves have ever had since they came back up. Four yeah. nil, not even putting up a fight, not even registering a goal. Wolves look poor. I don't really know what I could attribute it to. I think their squad is quite thin. I yeah. think they've sold a lot. And they've replaced a lot, but they're still quite bare bones. So maybe that could play a factor. Maybe the Nuno effect's wearing off. I don't know. Maybe people have figured <laughs> them out. Quite possibly. I do remember last season, though, Wolves had quite a slow start to the Premier League. And then they started to pick up about a couple of weeks in. So maybe they'll go the same way. Maybe it's a harmonising thing. They're gelling new players in. But I can mm. tell you something for sure. Nelson Semedo didn't leave Barcelona to come get smashed 4-0 by West Ham. That's definitely what he, not what he signed up for. So, Wow, that was great. It was good to see. Oh, and they look class. West Ham looked really good against Wolves. But I guarantee this weekend they'll lose. Because it's just the, the, the way yeah. they are as a club. You know, they, they can't get those balls rolling like that, they can't get the snowball effect. They, they wish it's always sunny in West Ham, Delphia, or whatever poor analogy I'm trying to make there. But there's no snow because there's no balling effect. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like Forlands yeah. put it over the bar from like point blank range. I was like, it's an open net, you idiot. <laughs> so yeah, he pulls off his mask. He's like, ta-da, it's Fernando Torres in disguise. Crazy. There were, look, I'm just going to say this. As we're talking about this, it just highlights how mental this weekend of football really was the only the only the only bog standard run in the mill thing was obviously liverpool one oh i'm shocked but other than that yeah there are some crazy results in this weekend and there's a lot of drama so i mean do let's we just do, do the it. drama or do we want to do the results let's just okay. do let's talk about the man united game Oh, okay. You don't want to start with Spurs. That's fine. No, because there's, there's drama in both. The, there's, there's drama in both these games. <laughs> there's drama everywhere. There's My, drama in the Palace game. There's drama. Look, I'm going to underline it. If, if I could write it down and underline it, I would say this handball rule is problematic, and I would underline it multiple right. times. Well, before we get into it, in the previous three podcasts, I have backed it, and you said to me, "I'll wait until it goes against Spurs." So mm. now I'm just going to look like a hypocrite. I know I'm going to look like a hypocrite, so I'm standing on a knife's edge, and I know how I have to play this. No, but yours, the Spurs... Okay, right, let's talk about Spurs first, right? Come on. All right, Spurs, no, I got my way. Did I just get my way? Here we go, people. Spurs' <laughs> handball was not a handball. Not Absolutely in any shape or form was a handball. Eric Dyer's Where are you like, supposed to put your arms? Where are you supposed to put your This is why I don't... Like, look, I get... I completely understand the conviction of seeing the rule through... It, there is a consistency. I know we've, we spoke off this podcast about possibly not a consistency, but that was in the Carabao Cup and the sort of Europa League mm. spaces. In the Premier League, I think there has been a consistency in how they've been dealing with it, but the rule itself is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's very there problematic. Is no, there is nowhere to put your arms. And I feel like already, three weeks in, it's going the way of a simulated play, you know, like a dive. 
You mean no, players, players are trying to kick the ball at the arm of the player, basically. Exactly. They're just going to, you just hammer the ball into the box, it's going to hit an arm. It's, you know, there's no way you can maneuver your body to make it look natural. And even when it was natural, it's still got flags. There, there is a particular incident that sort of predates this season, which was mm. um, in the Champions League final, when I personally believe that Sadio Mane tried to purposely kick the ball at Sissoko's arm in the final, yeah. right? Because he had his arm up and he was pointing to the back post and he was saying, cover, 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 and he wasn't looking. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. kicked the ball. And I think he kicked it at his arm on purpose because he knew it'd be given. Now, it will. If, 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 if attackers see an advantage there, they will try and do it. You know, and listen, even last night's game in the Europa League that you... Mm that you were a part of. Doherty again conceded a, a penalty. Again, I don't think it was a handball. He kicks it no. straight at him from point blank range and his arm is down. Like, what can the guy do? He can't do anything. And I think a lot of people are fed up with this rule already. And I know over the week or post weekend, the Premier League have actually started to discuss maybe there was going to be some lenience. Maybe they could factor in intent into the equation because surely intent has to play a part let's go back to the newcastle game you were robbed yeah of, two, of three points in my opinion oh easy don't get me wrong newcastle fans darlow had an incredible game in front in, in goal right he was awesome he kane could have easily had a hat trick against um uh, newcastle and the only thing that stopped him was darlow because yeah. kane's kane was on fire but he just couldn't get it in son hit the post twice Harry Kane, again, being the most selfless striker in football, as I've said many times, did an incredible assist to Lucas Moura. It was, unfortunately, you were robbed of a point. And Mourinho knew it because he stormed out. And, you know, I don't have any bias towards Mourinho because he used to... or I, I'm, not, I'm not negative towards him because he used to manage yeah, United and it didn't work out. But I felt his frustration. I actually turned to my partner and my niece and I said, that is a joke. They have been absolutely wrong. And the, the thing is, the Newcastle players knew it was a dodgy penalty because they put their hands up over their mouths to converse. And you know when someone does that, that they think something dodgy has gone on or they're yeah, trying to cover up not... their acknowledgement of it. So, come on, like, problematic. Dyer's not looking at the ball. He can't see yeah. the ball. He jumps. And everyone knows you have to use your arms to elevate yourself, right? When you jump. That's you how Ronaldo player, jumps as high as he higher, does. Yeah. You know, if he's looking at the ball when he does it, like Morpai does in the United game, and that's why mm -hmm. that's a penalty, this is just... I think VAR was so contentious last season that the FA have really gone hard on the rules must be enforced to a T so that we yeah. have a unilateral... This is the baseline. There's no deviation. There's no, well, it was used in this case this way, but then it was used that way. And in another case, I think they're trying to have a mm. uniformity with the law. But unfortunately, there is, there's always an element of subjectivity when it comes to football. Like what you think might be a red card, Ian, I might think, oh, it's a yellow or yeah, vi sure. vice versa. I mean, look, you must be, at, t tell me how you're feeling as a Spurs fan because you must be fucking furious. So, so let, let me just, as you painted the picture earlier, let me just give you one back. So I'm a Spurs fan. My father's a Spurs fan. My grandfather was a Spurs fan. My older brother is a Newcastle oh, fan. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so finishing up the chat with my dad, we're both like, right, let's go watch the Spurs game. Excited for that. Let's not even talk about the messages that came through afterwards. Let's not even think about that. Oh, but surely Glenn must have been like, that was bullshit as well. He must yeah, know. Of course, he, is. Of course he knows. But at the same time, he's like, 
well, we got a point. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, you can't, like, you're always going to showboat because it's a point at the end of the day. You're never going to be like, ah, it was a, you know, it's a crappy FIFA goal, whatever. Like, you're never going to not recognize it. Mm, yeah, of course. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, and like I said last week, you hit me with the point of, oh, what if it went the other way? And this week, I got that. I Straight experienced away. that. There you go. Yeah, there's karma, instant karma. You just wishing it upon me. And yeah, it sucked. It sucks so much. And it's the 90th minute. The game is done. And they step up and take a penalty. There's nothing you can do. All you can sit there is watch and take it. You can just hope against hope that they're going to miss. But I must say this. like The composure of the players who are taking that penalty post 90 minutes, and they know they could bring the game back, like same with Man United, to finish that pen, like hats off to them, to have the composure. Like that's... That's game-winning stuff. That's point-winning stuff. I mean, yeah, full-on composure. Hats off to them. But yeah, of course, crying. Crying. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's frustrating. Like, Callum Wilson, yeah, fair play. He had to put the penalty away and stuff. But, yeah. you know, I think even the commentators were, this oh, is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. This is not a penalty. You know, and if you've got pundits saying it, commentators saying it, yeah. managers saying it, players saying it, opposition players really knowing it is, then come on, there is an issue. We have to try and refine this handball rule because we can't keep making like incremental changes each season until we get it perfect. Let's get it right now, right first time, so we don't have to change it ever again. Look, I think think a big thing for me is, you know, I've watched that VAR clip like again and again and again. We need to stop slowing down when it comes to a handball. Because when you start slowing stuff down, mm. every look, everything looks in, yeah. with intention. Mm. You know, if his arm, like it's moving in different frames, so it looks like he's trying to get it. You play that at full speed, no, you would never say it. But why do we keep watching VAR at half speed, you know, even a quarter speed? We're not it's a problem. At, it's damning. You're getting, yeah, you're not getting the emotion. You're not getting what he's trying to do in that moment. Mm. It always yeah. looks forced. Yeah, I agree. I think obviously... I think there was there was some discussion that there was going to be like uh, a variation on how close it was to the striker if it's kicked point blank range or something like that and how yeah. immediate the goal is afterwards. Yeah, I think angles in football have always been very well. Just take a uh, Pogba's free kick against Brighton in the oh, it looks incredible from the first yeah, angle, they... right? And then yeah, the second then angle, like, oh, oh, that was going wide. I completely agree. I showed it to my mum earlier, actually, because we yeah. I said, oh, I'll show you the, um, the, the goals of the United game because I'm one of those insufferable United fans. <laughs> and um, she was like, oh, what a free kick. And then she saw the second angle. She's like, oh. Ooh. Yeah. And listen, <laughs> sometimes you need a little bit of luck. You do. But angles in football, in terms of red cards, tackling, fouls, it's all very subjective. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why VAR will never... F- fully work the way people want it to because there's always a human yeah. er- element like I've been saying for the last couple of weeks it's just a way to mediate uh, dissent essentially yeah. is, is, is the way I view it. We'll go and talk about another penalty incident in the well, I mean United yeah, game. On, on, the, uh, on the subject of luck, let's uh, move <laughs> over to that one <laughs> Fuck you um, <laughs> Yeah, look, it was pure luck that Man United beat Brighton on the weekend. Brighton were excellent. I will say they were, they were incredible. Very... They were so hard done by. 
what my Brighton fan friend has a very large chip on his shoulder about big club bias and the fact yeah. that Brighton are the unluckiest team in the Premier League, even though if you were the unluckiest team in the Premier League, surely you would have been relegated. But I digress. Listen, Ollie must have enlisted the post as the 12th man <laughs> that game. I, uh, Brighton genuinely hit the post five times. That's insane. They hit the post five times. Trossard individually hit the post three times. Now, before the Man City game, I was a lot more critical of United than I would be in the hindsight of the Man City game. And we spoke about a couple of podcasts ago, or last podcast actually, about the Palace game mm. and how there's no excuses. The, the tiredness factor can't be an excuse, but I think there is a legitimacy to part of it because City look like they're in the same situation of us. You know, teams are a couple of games ahead in terms of sharpness. Some of them played second round qualifiers. Some of them have played five games and United had only played two at that point. City had only played two at that point. So I can see there is some improvement, but what I also see taking the Carabao Cup game in midweek against the same yeah. Brighton side, albeit the reserves, but there were some mainstays on both sides that United are getting a little bit more match sharpness. But on Saturday, Brighton wanted it more, right? And Ollie time, for the first time ever, Ollie time came into effect. Not as good as Fergie time, like the budget version of Fergie time. Yeah, yeah. None, nevertheless, it was there. Uh, what will I say? Bruno Fernandes, his worst game in the United shirt, and I'm wearing his, his shirt right now. He was wasteful, and there is always an element of wastefulness to his game because he likes to try these intricate passes that don't always come off. Mm -hmm. However, none of them came off. That, that was the issue. He showed a little bit of that Portuguese fiery temperament when he went in late. He's very lucky, in my opinion, to stay on the pitch because he gave away the first penalty, which Morpai scored. Yeah. Now, that should have been a second yellow, in my opinion, but we were very lucky he stayed on the pitch. Brighton scored an own goal. People will say Harry Maguire scored it, but Brighton scored an own goal. But we did factor in, you know, without our willingness to push the ball forward, it would never have gone in. So yeah. sometimes, again, maybe that compounds what my Brighton fan friend was saying, that they are the unluckiest team in football. Then Rashford scored a class goal. And I will that was, say that, that, was, that was a good goal. And that's the that Marcus Rashford I know and love and all United fans know and love. So it's good to see that he's still got that. It's great when a player sits down a defender, right? That's, that's the best thing in the world. <laughs> and he deserved his goal. He played well. He was probably one of the better United players that day. Yeah. And then we just sat back and let Brighton attack us, which is, the, everyone knows, that's the England equation for failure. Because when yeah. you sit back on a one-goal lead, you're going to concede. And, and lo and behold, we bloody conceded in the 94th minute. And I turned to my partner and I was just like, I don't know if I can watch United this season because I think I'm just going to end up throwing myself off a cliff. Just terrible, disheartening, obvious. I could see it was coming. I think everyone could see it was coming. But, you know, we did show that grit. We did show it's not over till it's over. We did play to the whistle and we went up the other end. Now, uh, yeah, there was a bit of schadenfreude for me because Morpai did give it the big one when, when he scored his Penenka penalty, which obviously was class, but because it was against me, fuck you, Morpai. <laughs> well, he did the crying celebration. Have you seen it, yeah? Yeah. He did yeah. The, he, yeah? There's a great two-part story. It's everywhere. I love it, <laughs> which is Morpai crying and then obviously Morpai gives away the, the penalty and then him with his head in his hand. <laughs> Beautiful. 
and p- premature shushulation, premature celebration, yeah, yeah. whatever you want. It ain't over till it's over. Don't. I, I'm a big believer. Well, apparently, according to this game, it's not over till it's over. You go, you go past the whistle. Well, see, the thing is, I understand the argument on that. It is a bit of a tricky one because he did blow the final whistle. However, what I will say, he did blow the whistle immediately after penalty incident, like straight away. Mm-hmm. So, may you know, imagine a scenario where he's lifting his hand to his lips. He blows the whistle as the VAR official was saying in his ear, wait, there is something you need to check. What can you do? There have been instances in Germany where they've brought people back out at half time to take penalties for, for instances that they've missed in the game. So, uh, listen. Yeah, let's not go down that route. It was a blatant handball. Warpie didn't yeah, look was. away like Aaron Dyer. He didn't do it. He <laughs> moved his hand to the ball to try and knock its flow. It's as simple as that. Steely balls. Bruno Fernandez stepped up, and he had to wait. He had to wait a long time to take that penalty. Yeah, as well. again, again, that composure. Like my hat is off to those people, to Wilson and Bruno. Like, how do you do it? Oh, That's tense. I'm grateful he did because I think United needed the three points. It like for, sure. for morale for yeah. positivity going forward considering everything that's going wrong yeah. at the club at the moment. And look how your week is going as well. So exactly, yeah. right? So they, they needed that uplift, they needed that win and you know, I think teams have learned from last season that if you press United, some United players don't know how to cope with it and they, they mm. make rash passes, they don't know what they're doing they panic pass and we lose possession. Hopefully that will be eliminated from our game going forward, but uh, I doubt it very much. We have a very tough game at the weekend against you and Spurs, and Mourinho will definitely want, definitely want to get one up on us. So we'll see. It was a very interesting game. Now, a lot of people were citing it as why football's so good and dramatic, but listen, you never really want to be a part of that, something that. Yeah, you don't. Cause, cause look, let's let's flip it on its head, right? Let's go to the Palace game, where we had the similar incident of a handball again causing mm. a penalty, and how it killed the game in the first half. The yeah. second half was dead. Mm. Like, yeah, it's great when it happens in the 90th minute. You know, Spurs game not counting in that. But like in the Palace game, Palace Everton game, I was psyched for that. Not only because it was the first game I could actually watch because I have access to Amazon, but because like it was Everton versus Palace. And I've been bigging up Palace since the beginning of this podcast. And Everton, we were saying like, are they going to be uh, league contenders this year? Mm. So I was ready for it. And game was dead because everyone's disheartened by it. Like it doesn't even feel like it was dead. Everton but happy with it. Don't you think it was on a bit of a knife's edge? I was unsure who was going to win that game. Because exactly, but it was but like the second half, it didn't have the energy. The first, yeah, half. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the penalty kind of nullifying a certain teams' bite in terms of drive mm. to win. Palace probably their luck ran out a little bit. Everton were the better side, just, but I don't know. I keep naysaying on Everton because I don't want to be like a fool and go, oh my God, they look incredible. They might win the league. And then yeah, I look yeah, back yeah. on a year's time and be like, I'm an idiot. They completely capitulated. But they look fucking good. I'm just, like, Everton look, look good. good. And, they look good. you know, I kind of want Liverpool to keep winning because they're playing each other in two game weeks time. And like, that could be a, like, whoa, if Everton yeah. beat them, that could be <laughs> carnage. Everton's elevation is what we should call it because it has been. Ancelotti yeah. showed that he still has got the managerial game to take a team. I mean, look, Everton have always been primed for 
the opportunity to be great. They they yeah. very much like City in a sense of they've had owners that are willing to spend money. I think until Ancelotti's come in, they spent quite poorly. I remember that one summer they spent like 150 million, but on really average footballers. This time, you know, they look like they've bought well. Allen looks good. Decore is obviously pretty yeah. proven. And James Rodriguez, we all, I said, watch out for him. And at the moment, he's doing bits. Game changer every single time. Like his, his ball, like I think they said it in the commentary, like he just changes the game as soon as he gets on it. The pace changes. Palace struggled with the pace. His precision is insane. Mm. The balls he floats over the top are crazy. The thing is, and I think Everton are learning to use them as well. Oh, yeah. And I think they'll, they'll look. It's kind of like the Fernandez effect that happened at United. When you look at someone who is either rated incredibly high, is incredibly passionate, so they elevate the game of those around them. And also, he's from an elite club. He's won trophies. Mm. He's, he's dazzled at a World Cup, and now he's playing at Everton. And maybe they're looking around thinking, well, hang on. Everton isn't just a mid-table tier uh, mid -table Premier League club anymore. Maybe we want to be title challengers. So I think there's a real, there's a real mentality shift at Everton which I think is, is vital, really. But I will flip that on its head and say, I want to see how Rodriguez copes when he's under a really tight press from very good defensive Premier League yeah, sides. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, when they play Liverpool, is he going to be able to drift it over the top, cut inside, lay it off, dictate the play? Mm. I don't think so, probably. Because if you look at the way that Liverpool, and we'll use that as a way to bridge in to Liverpool-Arsenal, <laughs> If you look at the way that they pressed Arsenal, they suffocated them almost. Yeah, it was. I felt exhausted watching it because Liverpool were constantly pressing forward, forward, forward. I know. I will say, and and I have got a talking point about something outside of um, or in the studio in terms of Liverpool. Yeah. The first goal was <laughs> shambolic in terms of defence from Liverpool. I don't know what they think. Andy Robertson literally played it to Lacazette, who but just volleyed it in. All, all you can say is it's an Arsenal goal. That's all we can say. Yeah, right? it was a very Arsenal goal. What, what I will say is, while Liverpool, it's a weird one, because Liverpool won quite comfortably, but Arsenal could have got a draw, in my opinion. Mm. Lacazette was clear through on goal twice, and both times just kicked them straight at Alisson. And I was just like, what are you doing? I think there's always a... a Listen, I, as a rule of thumb, I always say, if you're going to chip, try and chip the keeper, you've got to chip him. If you yeah, don't, sure. you look like a fool and it will ruin your confidence. He tried to chip Alisson and Alisson just batted it away like it was <laughs> nothing. And I was like, you idiot. No and then he got a one-on-one -on -one straight away afterwards and kicked it straight at him again. But Mane's class, we know Mane's class. Yeah, yeah. And Yotta. You know, it's just, it's, look, Liverpool, everything they do is gold at the moment. It's as simple as that. If it comes on, yeah. everyone's like, oh, will you adapt? Will you adapt? Goal. Straight away. Good goal. <laughs> great finish. Arsenal, look, they suffered from not taking their chances. Their chances were few and far in between. Liverpool were definitely the better team and looks like they're back at their attacking excellence. However, I'm going to say it again, and I might live by this sword and die by this sword. Defensively, they have switched off because they're so used to being so attacking that their defence isn't as solid as it used to be. There were three through balls from Arsenal that completely cut open the Liverpool bat line in one pass. Right? But if I think a team I... like City can capitalise on that, they will beat them. If Everton can exactly. capitalise on that, they will beat them. But I think this is what we've been saying about all the teams this season, is that defensive line is so poor across the board. Yes, in like Liverpool's terms, it's surprisingly so after such a strong season at the back last season. 
But there is such a mentality in this season of just going forwards. And I think everyone's realising it. Because the game, the goals, the amount of goals we're getting is insane. They're very high scoring weekends. Crazy. To go to the Leicester game, 5-2, seven goals. Look, City, I don't know what they're thinking at the back. It's absolutely crazy. They were just split open so easily. They're def- like, is it? I felt like saying to them, like, have you forgot VAR is in effect? Like, you keep bringing <laughs> players down in the box. What are you doing? Carl Walker, I'm saying it, he's past it. He's on the decline. Right? Yeah, he's lost it. He's got a temperament issue. Well, he's always had a temperament issue. You know, he's had a couple of years of success and now he probably has got that swagger and Vardy did him and he brought him down. Clear penalty. All the penalties, I think, were penalties in that game. Oh, yeah. Easy. Leicester. Look, Jamie Vardy's a big game player. He always has been, always yeah. will be. Oh, you were slagging him off last week. Look, I'm not going to forget about that because I, I clock that when I watched that game. I thought he was past it, but let's not factor in and say that two of his goals were penalties. But okay, I will okay. say his second goal was class. It was very was good. awesome. So... That little cheeky chip, oh my god, that that <laughs> it was sexual to me. But obviously Madison's goal was outrageous as well. Yeah. Look, Leicester did what they did best. They countered very effectively and deadly. And mm. I think everyone's aware that Man City looked really fatigued, in my yeah, opinion. Defensively sloppy. Eric Garcia was playing in his little protective helmet because he's going to Barcelona, so he doesn't want to get injured, so that move doesn't get scuppered. Should you be playing yeah. a player that's head's been turned and is elsewhere? Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit... Yeah, yeah. A little bit odd. Look, I predicted City to win the Premier League, and I can say, I can tell you now, game week three... Oh, I think... I think we need to review not, our predictions. I think I'll we tell need you to... What, like, when we get to the halfway point of the season, we will review them. We have to stick with them because we've made. Them. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll but stick with them. But now let's do a half-time review and see where we think they're yeah, going to go. Listen, and like compare because we we messed up. City are we not winning the up. league. City are not no. winning the league. I can tell you that. Yeah, look, I've I've written Fraudiola down. I think <laughs> I know Pep's just lost his mother, and as much yeah. as I might hate Man City, I'm, I, I'm very of course, you know, of course understanding of his suffering. I think maybe his head's not in it at the moment which is mm. completely fine and, and normal. <sighs> Part of me thinks the City-Pep relationship is, is nearly done. You know, he doesn't stay at a club forever. Yeah. I think if it goes really bad this season, you know, he spent £425 million on defenders in the five years he's been at the club. And they let three penalties in in one game. One game, you know. Uh, there was some, some stat that someone was telling me about that. Guardiola, whenever he's had a good defender or a good defensive partnership, mm. he's always inherited that partnership. He's never bought it. Right. So there's sort of like pushing a narrative that maybe defensively he's not as good as he is offensively, which I kind of would agree because obviously Tiki Taka plays into the offensive part of the game, not <laughs> the defensive part of the game. And he likes defenders that can pass out from the back. Look, he's made some dodgy buys. Okay, probably like, what have I done? <laughs> Why have I gone to City? <laughs> Although he did score, so fair play to Nathan Ake. For sure. Mares's goal, I'm not, I'm not criticising City too much. Mares's first goal was class. Yeah, it was good. I don't know. Is it possible for City to reek of complacency even though they didn't win the league last season? Because they seem to be complacent. I think that's it. Like, first and then, what, second last season? 
Just still can't I don't know. I'm, I, I don't, it's, I don't see one. I don't see C in second this season at the moment. No, Unless they, they get their act together. Oh, look, obviously, I know we, 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 when we get to speak about transfers, they, that game has sort of like prompted them to go and do something in the market. And we will speak yeah, about yeah. that afterwards. But everything's sort of amalgamated to be very dramatic this weekend in the Premier League. Just every well, game. It's, 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 what, it's what we love. To, well, I mean, we don't love to see. We want good drama. We want good drama. Yeah, is... not, not like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there was some. There was some. Well, dire VAR, as I've written down here. Sorry. For yeah, that was... That. Yeah, every, everyone hit me with that pun. Everyone was like, "Oh, that was a dire. That was, you know, that was a dire game." You're like, "Just shut up! I'm already in a pit of hate right now. Don't come for me." Listen, it, but, it, it was it was dire, but you know, there's always next weekend. <laughs> Before we get into that, let's just give a quick shout out to Aston Villa for their three 0 win over Fulham. Fulham look like they don't want to be here after their impressive attack against Leeds. I don't know what's going on with that team. <laughs> Did you see the um, the images of Scott Parker during the game? <laughs> He's looked miserable, and I understand why. Yeah. But I think Paddy Power put something like, don't worry, Scott, there's only 35 games to go. <laughs> they are getting relegated, oh, Fulham. I, I promise you, Fulham are getting relegated. Yeah, it's um, not looking good. Defensively, terrible. I think they're, yeah. after that game, Tony Khan, I think their owner, tweeted out saying, of how he apologised, how a couple of deals have fallen through for centre-backs and they were working to right. get a certain centre-back before the end of the window. Yeah. I'd love to have an owner who would be that uh, candid with the fans and, and yeah, that compassionate like with the it. fans. However, they've bought poorly, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't, they haven't done well. I think what was really interesting about the Villa game for me, um, and I said this to a couple of people, I said, doesn't it show you how the home advantage isn't a thing this season? Yeah, it's, it's, it's de- you haven't got the home crowd, you haven't got... Villa. All you've got, all you've got is your pitch knowledge, and, you know, everything's to regulation these days, so it doesn't really change much. It's literally who wants it more on a day now. That is it. That yeah. For me, that, that that's how I see it, because home advantage with no fans is no advantage at all. There is no 12th mm. man. Yeah, United might have had the 12th man who was the post last game, but that's it. But other than that, yeah. it, it has to be about, you know, the individual unit's drive, and I think Fulham will struggle with that. And I think lots of teams, look at City, losing 5-2 at home. You know, okay, we can all make jokes about the Etihad being Mm. dead and them having no fans and stuff like that. Ha, ha, ha. But it does help when you've got people cheering you on and celebrating with you. And also, celebrations without fans are a bit cringe. Either head to the camera or just go back. Like bit cringe. If you want to celebrate, go to the camera. But yeah, everyone just kind of running with fans who aren't there is very strange to watch. Did you see? And Glenn, if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'm calling out one of your boys here. Did you see John Joe Shelby celebrating against scoring against Newport when they were one 0 down after 84 minutes? Newcastle equalised. John Joe Shelby, Shelby yeah. scored. He he yeah. did the can you hear me? And then shushed an empty stadium. I'm like, what are you doing? The League Two opposition, you absolute madman. It's cringe. It's, it is just cringy, that is. That's like, it's oh, my God. I, I, look, I get it in the moment. Yeah, we all want to do it on FIFA. When you go down, you, you, you get back up, you're on shush. But yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, <laughs> think about the competition. And just briefly while we talk about that, very quickly, Glenn, your £40 million striker had a penalty saved by a League Two goalkeeper. Shambles. <laughs> Shambles. Hey, dang, get him, son. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that I said, look, they lost the shootout, but that keeper was I've saved a penalty from a, from a forty million pound striker, and I play in League Two, which is no no yeah, he's got a 40 League Two million pound good. glove now. My yeah. God, chaos! All right, well, let's while we're on it, come on. What was your round of the week? Best game, worst game, MVPs. What do you remember, if anything? A lot of good games this weekend. I'm definitely not saying United best game because it was terrible for me in a roller coaster way. Yeah. Uh, best game as a neutral, Leicester City, uh, Man City because just yeah, absolute totally chaos. Agree. Couldn't couldn't yeah, believe it was, it was happening. And again, best goal. James Madison's goal, outrageous. What a finish that is. Just to even try it, class, curl yeah. it into the top corner. MVP must be Jamie Vardy. <laughs> Just for the way he worked. He worked so hard. He yeah, won two he penalties player, yeah. and scored and scored two penalties. You know, at the end of the day, he his drive forward, his willingness to get forward won them the game. Without him bursting into the box on opportunities he probably wouldn't have scored from, they wouldn't have won. One to forget, more pie for being an arrogant little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it must be. He must hate that moment. I bet his mates in France or Brighton are like, oh, him, like just... listen, never do that celebration until you're like 3-0 up. Yeah, Not 1-0. Yeah. I mean, if he goes away and does it next weekend, power to him. Like, if he's still got the conviction, trying to flip it, go yeah. to him. That, that's, but, that's a personal one for me. That's the personal one to forget. Yeah. The objective one would probably be Thiago Silva. Not a good debut in the Premier League. No, not at all. Uh, tighten up and, and crack on next week, Thiago. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you on all fronts. Uh, I think the, uh, my one to forget is the uh, Palace game because I got myself so hyped up to finally watch a Premier League game and I got bore-bore. And I great. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, though. Calvert-Lewin looks good, doesn't he? He does. Cavalier does look good. I am impressed by him. So he's definitely one to watch. Speaking of one to watch, let's move on to transfers. Oh, 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 Transition. Transitions. You've got them down pat. Listen, I'll try and be passionate when I speak about this, but United have just been shambolic. So we'll leave that to last. Um, we'll only... Do you not want to just get out of the way and then we can... No, no. we we'll, low to a high. We want to go high, up high to low. We'll, we'll we'll do that we'll do that last because okay. we'll, we'll we'll move on to the British showcase which will be the high. Uh, okay. So City's reaction to their loss to City was to finalise their deal for Ruben Diaz from Benfica. It's about sixty million pounds. The reason they went for him instead of Koulibaly, I believe, is age related because he's much younger than Koulibaly. Koulibaly's not leaving Napoli now, as I thought I said last week. I didn't think the deal was going to happen, and now it's not definitely not. City have come out and said they will not be making any more defensive buys. Oyars to Arsenal. Arsenal is still chasing this deal. Um, do I think it's going to happen? It's tough. Arsenal are, are offering well under what they want. Well under. Yeah. And that's very similar to United's stance on Sancho. But I think, look, they want him. Thomas party is definitely not going to happen. Lucas Torreira has just agreed to go to Atletico Madrid on loan with an option to buy. I think that's going to free up the cash to get this deal done. Be a good buy for them. I think I watched Arsenal and I don't know if a cam is the answer to their problem at the moment. I don't know what their issue is. They look like they've got the, the makings of a good team there, but it's, uh, David Louise and stuff like that, and just their yeah. defensive line is terrible. They're playing holding against Liverpool. Where's Gabriel? Like, yeah, listen, very interesting. Spurs, as we yeah. know, Ian, here we go. 
have been doing some wonderful stuff in the transfer window. Mourinho is relishing being backed by an ownership rather than not <laughs> like he was at United. Uh, Carlos Fernandez. Like documentary money. Well, you, look, you've got your rotation striker, which you need for when Kane goes down. Obviously, we know Human Son's injured at the moment, but you've always had depth when it comes mm. to wingers and stuff. He looks like a good young player. It's always risky when you bring players in that don't have Premier League experience or at least competitive league experience. Yeah. But, you know, for rotation, why not? He's a sprightly Brazilian. So, but especially like with the way we're talking about Kane's going, who else do you want to bring him under to learn? Like, oh, yeah. You want a striker who's going to be a team player? Bring him and let him learn from Kane. Like, say, look, you're already on this, this uh, playmaker Kane lark. Wait, it's, I've never denied. Oh, no. He's I'm always just, been the hurricane. He is the hurricane, but what I mean is he's he is the most important player in your team because without him, you you oh, tend to do poorly. Yeah. Now you are also trying to sign Skriniar from Inter Milan. They want fifty million pounds. <laughs> you don't want to pay that. You want to pay thirty five million pounds. I think this still might happen. I think you need a, another defender. Tanganga looks good. Yep. I think you have to be looking to replace Toby Toby Alderweireld. Right I think you just have to because he's not because he's not good enough, but because he's he's starting to get close to the possibility of declining. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, there's definitely, Alderweireld has not run his course, but, like, he's that experience that we want to hold on to, but, you know, we need the new partnership at the back because Alderweireld isn't going to gel and have that time to experience with the next centre-back like he had with Vertonghen. And if I'm honest, I think he misses Vertonghen being there. Like, you know, that partnership is completely, that's what he kind of built his uh, career there on. So, yeah, I get it. And I think, yeah, it's time that we bring in a new central duo um, that we've made famous. Thing is, isn't I think Mourinho is going to play three at the back. I think you're going to play three at the back a lot this season. Be interesting. I think the... Tanganga, uh, Toby, and maybe Skriniar if he comes in, and then mm. your wing-backs. Because look, Doherty is definitely more effective going forward than he is defensively, right? Yeah, as long as we can keep him out of the box, I'm happy. I will say, just briefly, in a little bit of bitter envy, uh, that Regulon looks great going forward. He looks great. Uh, he looks he, so good last night. Against Chelsea when he played as well. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that cross to Lamella was class. He looks good. I will say he will struggle defensively if you get pressed like crazy because yeah, yeah. he struggled in that game and Chelsea weren't even pressing that high. So goodbye. That's why I think you're going to play three at the back because he yeah, wants him to go sense. forward. And cross in, and look, if Kane's getting that sort of delivery, he'll score loads of goals this season. This Indeed, and what, this weekend could see the debut of Bale as well, right? <sighs> I fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, because I know he'll come in and make an instant impact and he'll score like a hat-trick against yeah, United. Boy. And then I'll be like, yeah, no, I'm, I've smashed my TV. So, <laughs> yeah, wait for that 60-minute uh, sub, <laughs> and he'll come on. It's nice to see Bale, briefly speaking about that, it's nice to see Bale happy on the bench once again you know like yes. he's he's celebrating he wants to see Tottenham win he wasn't doing that Real Madrid he was pretending to be asleep like golf mm. standing apathetic when they won the trophy so yeah he it's it, I hope it goes well for him at, at Spurs because he is, a, he is in the twilight of his career so we'll see on that front let's enjoy it let's enjoy it just just uh briefly but after I made these notes mm. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi might be going on loan to Bayern Munich or a permanent deal, which might be good for him because Lampard doesn't rate him. Yeah. Uh, ben Godfrey is going to Everton from Norwich for £26 million. Before Norwich got relegated, they valued him at £50 million. 
Now he's going for 26, and they valued him at 25. Look at Everton coming in with the price yeah, is Everton right move. Still, price cool. is right. Forsyth, <laughs> eat your heart out. Boom, 26 million pound. I'm surprised they didn't do 25 million and one pound. You know, but yeah. they needed a centre back. I said this when we were talking about the transfers in the first episode of the podcast. I said I think Michael Keane is not good enough for Everton. He's been fine under Ancelotti in a good system, but defensively is where Everton are weakest in my opinion at the moment. They need a good defender. Godfrey is a good defender, so who knows? It might work out. Right, let's briefly summarise Man United's shit. So here we go. Here we go. Man United have managed to loan out Andres Pereira on loan to Lazio. Mm-hmm. Well done, United, because he is terrible. It is with an obligation, no, no obligation, sorry, it's with the option to buy. So if he does well, United will sell him for £23 million with 10% uh, sell-on clause. So that's pretty good. Yeah, he, won't, he won't do well, though, and he'll be back next season. <laughs> Diego Dallo is rumoured to either go to Roma or AC Milan. Both clubs want to loan him. United only want a permanent deal. It might happen. It might not. Roma want him as part of the Smalling deal, and United don't really want to do that because I don't know why, but they don't. Basically, they don't want to give Roma any discount Yeah, on sense. the Smalling fee. So Smalling to Roma looks imminent. It's going to happen. It's going to be about 15 million quid. Um, and that's pretty much it in terms of outgoings. Inbound, nothing. Man United have three days, other than Donny van de Beek, Man United have three days to sort their act out. Uh, there. Yeah. Look, I'll break, briefly break down what's happening with Jane Sancho. This, this week's been an interesting week. I said by Sunday night, if there was no movement, I'd be at 0%. And I can confirm to you, I am now at 0%. This deal was not happening. There have been some interesting developments this week that have made me go back up to like 5%, 8%, and then like come back down. On Wednesday, Dortmund played Bayern. Sancho did not play. He had a respiratory illness that mm-hmm. wasn't COVID. It was a chest infection. Right? But then he was okay to be in training two days later. What, whatever. There is talk that Sancho is trying to agitate a move, but he's not trying to do it as overtly and publicly as Dembele and Aubameyang have done in the past. The issue is, for Sancho to agitate a move or force a move, United needs to put in an acceptable bid. Now, there's a bit of contention over whether United have actually bid for Sancho. Earlier in the week, Sky reported that we had offered 80 million euros plus 20 million in add-ons. Dorman went, no. That's like 40 million under what they valued him at in terms of because the add ons would have been ridiculous. They'd have been like, Yeah, if Jane Sancho ever traveled to the moon, we'll give you 10 million. And if Jane Sancho became a medieval fighter, we'll give you another five million. Just like stupid stuff like if Sancho yeah, ever won the you. World Cup, if Sancho ever won the Ballon d'Or, which is no guarantee, you know, they're not they're not what we would call achievable add ons. There's been a little bit of between like tier one journalists, journalists back and forth as to whether that bid has happened or whether it was just a proposal by United. The issue is this deal is being done through intermediaries, right? So the, the communication is very slow. There's 72 hours left in the window-ish from where we're at now. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't think it's going to happen. We'll see. United have been trying, at least in the press, in terms of briefs, been trying to put pressure on Dortmund. The sad part of this deal is that all of us knew Dortmund weren't budging on the price. All of us. Every, every footballing fan knew it was that price or you're not getting him. And they've shown that. They said with Aubameyang it was that price. They said it with Dembele it was that price, right? Both players went because the price was paid. United are not going to pay this fee. Their belief, 
And the problem is that if we don't have a director of football, we only have bankers that are in charge of making decisions for transfers. They're not footballing people. They don't understand. Dortmund will not capitulate on the price. They are adamant that Dortmund will. No matter how late, even if it's two hours before the window closes, they will wait to see if Dortmund capitulate. They won't. It is you pay 120 million euros or you do not get Jadon Sancho. So, in my opinion, United have started to panic because they've only got three days left. Alex Tellez was supposed to be sorted by now. No. United have been offered him for £18 million, which is a bargain considering how good he is because he's in the last year of his yeah. contract. United were like, no, we want to pay eight. Right? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. You could sell him. You could buy him for £18 million, so I'm not to a five-year deal. And if it doesn't work out next year, you could sell him for triple that. It's, it's a yeah. joke. It's Easy. an absolute joke. They're trying to do this. They're trying to skimp out on every deal. But then, you know, I'll put this point across to you. If Dortmund came to United and said, we want to buy Marcus Rashford. And you know, I went, yeah, no problem. If Marcus wants to go, he can go. Yeah. But the price is £140 million. And Dortmund went, oh, no, we don't want to pay that. It's going to be £80 million. Would United go, oh, okay. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't. Yeah, of course. They wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't allow it. You put the shoe on the other foot. It's not, it's not equal. It's not fair. I get Dortmund's stance. This is the price for their player. Yeah, have they been yeah. a little bit unreasonable in COVID at all times? Maybe. But he's still their player at the end of the day. United's panic has festered. They are looking at loans. They were initially yeah. we were talking about Bale, but obviously that deal passed them by. Bale went elsewhere because he wasn't going to wait. I think there's a lot of expectation from United or entitlement that they believe players will wait to see how the Sancho deals uh, plays out before they can yeah make decisions make decisions it's not going to happen we don't have the pulling power we used to because we haven't won the league in seven years we're not the club we were under Sir Alex so if we have to do deals we have yeah. to do them efficiently so United have gone to Barcelona and we're talking to Osama Dembele problem is he is so injury prone it's unbelievable he might as well have fragile stamped on his head <laughs> Since he's gone to Barcelona, and believe me, he went to Barcelona for a big fee from Dortmund, like 140 million euros, yeah. a lot of money. He has flopped. Statistically, factually, objectively, he has flopped. He's been very, very injury addled his entire time there. Mm -hmm. Fine. But that's because he's been overplayed during his formative years while his body's still growing. And he's done probably irreversible damage to his muscles and stuff. So he's yeah, more true. likely to become injured again. Now, my concern with this deal is it reeks of old school United of buying Di Maria when he didn't want to come and throwing money at him. It reeks of Alexis Sanchez of a player who wants to come for money and not for the club. The, the mandate from United uh, from Oli was, I want players that want to play for me. Osama Dembele yeah. said to us a month ago, he does not want to play for Manchester United. Reports are coming out today that Paul Pogba has called him up to convince him to come. Why? If he doesn't want to come, don't buy him. You don't want him, yeah, no. He has extortionate wages. We want to only loan him in. Barcelona have emphatically said they will not loan him. They will only loan him with, a, with an obligation to buy, not an option to buy. So we must buy him at the end of the loan. So what could happen there? He could come. He could get a really bad injury because of how physical the Premier League is. Be horrifically injured. And then we have to buy him for £80 million. Done. The other option is they're saying potentially we could buy him now for like 50 million euros, which is 40 million quid. Look, on paper, it's a good deal, but there are rumours the player has a bad mentality. 
uh, a bad worth ethic, a bad diet, and does not play with conviction for any. Yeah. I think he suffers from a player that's achieved so much so young. He's a World Cup winner at 23. You know, and he doesn't have the same mentality that Mbappe has, where Mbappe clearly wants to be the best player of all time. You can see it in him when he wants yeah, when he yeah, plays. He wants to keep going. Whereas I think Dembele's like, I'm playing at Barcelona at 23. I'm rather complacent about where I am in the world right now. I'm at, you know, are there many clubs more high profile than Barcelona that you want to go to? Probably not. This player said no to going to Liverpool. This player said no to going to City. And now we're like, oh, we're okay to be his fifth choice. I think, look, just, just, I've gone on long enough about this whole United line. I'm sure I will trim <laughs> this down because it's quite chunky. But what I will say is, deadline day, all of you, if, if United do business in terms of in, incomings, it will be on deadline day. Yeah. It will be, in my opinion, either Dembele or Ishmael Saar from Watford. By the sounds of things, all Man United are going to do is spend money that they shouldn't be spending. It just, like you're going to pay out the arse no matter what you've got to do. If I said it's it once, I'll say it again. If you're going to pay £80 million for Harry Maguire, why are you not paying £100 million for Jaden Sancho, who's 10 times the yeah. player he is? Just as simple as that for me. Look, United might cave on Monday and pay the full fee, but I doubt it very much. And do you know what? Dortmund might be so aggravated by it, they might go, well, sorry, it's not coming. I mean, that's a true baller play. If they just turn down the full amount, like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. The only, the only thing that makes me think that won't happen is obviously Jaden does want to come back to the Premier League. So he might say, yeah. look, I want to go. Other than that, who knows? But it's very bleak for United. Here's my prediction now, just to sum that up, because by the time oh. next week, this, the tra- transfer segment won't be part of the show anymore. If United, there's two points here. If United don't get Jaden Sancho now, they will never get Jaden Sancho. One, because he'll feel like we haven't done enough to get him. And two, other clubs will be in for him next summer that will be able to buy him and will pay the price that Dortmund are asking. Two, if United do not buy at least two players, we will not get top six. I guarantee it. Because the level of competition this season in the Premier League is high. United have allowed every single team around them to strengthen, and we have not. If Palace can beat us 3-1 at home... God help us. Yeah, it's going to be a tough season for you if you don't make these decisions. And like like we said previously, you do this every transfer window, and I think you've just taken it to another level this season. I mean, I've never seen you in so much pain. Like, I think you're even over it, which is even more surprising. I just, I'm just ex- in the exceptions phase. Exactly. I can't, I've, I've never seen you like this. It's always been, it's going to happen. We're going to get this. This is going to happen. It's going to be great. But this time, you, you're like, no. Nah, it's, it's it's... Look, I, I watched the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, press conference this morning. He looks like a broken man. And, I've, and I, I feel reflective of the manager. Uh, if I were to make a prediction, if we get no players, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be gone by January. We have an incredibly tough run of games. We have an incredibly tough Champions League group, as we found out yesterday. And we have an incredibly tough quarterfinal against Everton in the Carabao Cup. Indeed. United need players to strengthen. It's as simple as that. If we do not get them, Oli has not been backed. It's not his fault. That's the thing. It's not his fault. He has asked for players. He has not been given them. He can only work with what he has in front of him. Uh, but I will say, this under this ownership, United will never win another trophy, even though we have won under them, because Sir Alex could make every, you know, stone a diamond whatever the analogy is because yeah. he was in my opinion the greatest manager the game has ever seen indeed well 
while we've gone down such a dark path, let's rewind, mm -hmm. let's go backwards, let's look at something brighter. Come on, teach me about Jamie Vardy, the person I've never thought about or had a concern for in my mm -hmm. life. Until he turned up in the England squad and then he turned up for Leicester's winning season and I was like, oh, who's this average bloke from down the pub? Come on, hit me with the Vardy brace showcase. The Vardy brace showcase. This is the first brace showcase where I respect the player as a football player, but I have concerns about his problematic personality off the field. We'll talk about the flip side of Vardy or the two faces of Jamie Vardy. Oh, we've got headers and everything. So Jamie Vardy, as we know, likes to have a party. Bring your vodka and your, you know, we'll, we'll admit that <laughs> bit there. He, he has a very uplifting story, and he also is part of one of the most beautiful stories in football, I think, in terms of pure football narrative and brilliance. I know every week you've said we've got a more beautiful story every the thing time. Is, You're the, full into the storytelling of this. The thing is, we have... This story is like objectively beautiful. You, you okay. subjectively you enjoy Salah. Subjectively yeah, yeah. you enjoy uh, Son. You know I don't enjoy Vardy's off-field persona, but the, the part he's played, the integral part he's played in one of the greatest footballing stories of all time, is undeniable. Mm -hmm. Now that's the great thing about football because each year it evolves, it changes, and it defies expectations, and something crazier happens than we've ever seen before. But this one, I've always called this the prime Oscar footballing film moment. If there was ever going to be a European football film that was up for like an Oscar or something, this was the narrative to do it. But we'll, we will did touch you, on did that. Did you not see Goal? You uh, saw listen, Goal, right? <laughs> I, 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 we'll talk about that in a second, actually. Now, we'll, we'll go back to the beginning. It, uh, Jamie Vardy's a late bloomer in terms of football. And in a way, he's a great icon or symbol for to never give up on your dreams, do what you love, because it might bring you success regardless. He was released at age 16 from Sheffield Wednesday. And like I said, he, he had a very problematic youth. There was a funny little anecdote when he was playing for Stockbridge Park Steels. When he was playing for them, after he was released, he was playing at a non-league level, he actually was arrested and charged for... I think it was aggravated assault, but he continued to play for them and he was allowed to, but he had to do it under a tag for six months. So he had an ankle tag for six months while he played, which is, which is hilarious. Right. And again, yeah. starts to prime you towards the narrative of, okay, maybe, maybe he's a little <laughs> bit more problematic than we realized. Yeah. Well, I, was, can, I, can it, already, I can already see the Oscar worthy stuff already. Right? He, let's, he, let's keep yeah, he, look, he received a, con a conviction for assaulting a f uh, following an incident outside a pub. That, that's, that's the official uh, corporate line on it. He played at non-league level. I believe he is the most expensive non-league player ever to be bought from non-league. He was bought for £1 million, which is big money. When he was at Halifax, in 37 appearances, he scored 26 goals. And then he went to Fleetwood Town. While he was at Fleetwood, he spent one season there and he scored 36, 31 goals in 36 appearances, which is like scary numbers again. Jeez. Yeah. Now, non-league, if you look, if I said to you, 
there's two players I can think of have done it actually. Jamie Vardy and Ricky Lambert have both done it. Remember Ricky Lambert, how mm-hmm. he really blossomed towards the end of his career. Yeah. He actually got an England cap. He played for Liverpool and he got, he'd come from non-league. Jamie Vardy is very much the same. He, he, he kept playing at non-league level, but obviously he was an absolute animal a non-league level and was banging them in for fun and look some players do do that in non-league and that's and that's absolutely great but it's 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 a big risk when you take someone out of non-league rarely do players like that get missed in terms of scouting or whatever i've, I've written down here championship pioneer jamie vardy went to leicester in 2012 just absolutely went from non-league to championship and just killed it I know it sounds ridiculous, but he just, he killed it. He came in, I think he scored 31 goals. He won player of the season. They got promoted. It was was just mental. He was there for two seasons. They got promoted to the Premier League. And just, it's crazy. His, his, His beginnings are quite humble in terms of there's not really much to talk about. He was just very prolific when other players weren't. And he was obviously at a much higher level than the competition around him. Where Vardy's real wow starts when he came to the Premier League record breaker do you know what record he broke in okay oh, well, so well, well, yeah sorry I realized people can't hear me when I throw my hands up in the air no <laughs> I don't know I don't know I forgot that was another he, he um, broke he broke the record for the most consecutive goals scored in the Premier League he scored for 11 goals 11 games in a row right hey. so he scored one goal a game and that was the season that Leicester won the title. The previous holder of that was uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Man United legend. Legend, yeah. And he actually scored against Man United to break the record. <laughs> I know. What an arsehole. Come that's, on, if that's, if that's not a movie script, Listen, it is all very um, Hollywood-esque when it comes to Jamie Vardy. As much as he doesn't have the face for Hollywood, he definitely has a story <laughs> for it, at least. During that famous, unbelievable campaign, as we all know, and I think most of us as neutrals, well, not neutrals, but most of us were like, well, if anyone's going to win the league, well, actually, probably not you, because you should have beat Leicester to the title that year. <laughs> it was the one, the one. And everyone, everyone else who yeah. was well, well off the mark, well out of the competition, I think most of us were like, well, if Leicester wins it, that's great for everyone. All round, yeah. because... A beautiful, it's a beautiful underdog story. It's rags to riches, mm-hmm. and no one gets to go ahead of another top six opponent. It's great. So Premier League champions, what a mental year that was! I do remember that year. I was working at B and Q, and we were three 0 up against Leicester, and they came back and beat us five three. And I was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Jamie Vardy. That year was the biggest party he's ever had. He was class that year, and I think he was twenty six, twenty seven. Really late to the Premier League. Yeah. Came in, adapted straight away. Surprisingly, he didn't win the Golden Boot that year, which is a bit odd because of yeah, how yeah. prolific he was. But I guess we must have had some real high-scoring competition that year. Mm-hmm. Leicester, obviously, were part of Gary Lineker's beautiful moment of if Leicester win the league, I'll do match of the day in my underwear. Mm-hmm. Leicester were league, winning the, leading the league at Christmas, which is usually indicative that whoever yeah. is leading the league at Christmas is going to win the league, apart from Liverpool. Sorry, Liverpool fans. Listen, Premier League champion is a mental statement when it comes to thinking about Leicester, but he was, he was the attacking force. Him and Riyad Mahrez were the attacking force that drove past all the competition. They played this beautiful counter-attacking football the long ball football oh, it's all they played every game look listen maybe maybe that's football. 
maybe that's a discredit to N'Golo Kante because without him, when they would get impressed, they probably never would have won the league because he was so vital in maintaining mm. their defensive line and playing the ball out. I do remember my favourite goal of Jamie Vardy that season was when he scored that outrageous volley from outside the box against Liverpool. Oh, and everyone yeah. was just like, what the hell? You know, and even I, even I as a neutral, love it when someone goes, Jamie Vardy's having a party. <laughs> you know, he's just, he shouldn't be as good as he is. That's that's the reality of it. Yeah. yeah. And he is a testament to never give up on your dream because look where he is now. He's won the Premier League. He's won a Premier League golden boot. He's in the Premier League 100 club. He's, he's just... He's class. He's played for England. He scored at international tournaments for England. He's never been as good for England as he has been for Leicester. And I would say, I think it's probably for the best that he stayed at Leicester. I think something is tied to him there. I think maybe if you took him out of the Leicester team, out of the Leicester shirt, maybe Vardy would decline. Premier League champion. After that, it's almost like, uh, oh God, what would you call it? It's almost like a, the leaving class at high school. Do you know what I mean? The, like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, the, when they won the Premier League, no one was going to stay at Leicester, right? They're all going to go their separate ways. In, uh, Kante went to Chelsea for £35 million. Riyad stayed for another year, but, you know, th- they cashed in on Kante because they bought Kante for something like a million pounds or something for like £35 million, so it was really good business. But the harmony of the squad was so perfect. Every player did their part. All Brighton. Every, do you know what I mean? It's like... yeah, yeah. yeah. One, when they messed with the, the starting eleven, it ruined it. They suffered. They were fatigued in Europe. And don't get me wrong, they had a good run. They got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which was great. But they inevitably suffered from not having the squad depth they needed to compete at that level. So the following year, they dropped down to 17th. They looked at one point like they might get relegated. Now, in shocking, unbelievable scenes, Claudio Ranieri, the man who took Leicester to a Premier League title and you thought would be immune, have immunity for any misgivings, was actually sacked by Leicester, which was absolutely it's crazy best, as well. Yeah. And kind of is a testament to the fickle nature of the game, I think. Because if I, if I t- took a, a questionable manager who had you know, relative success, but not huge amounts of it, and they won me in the Premier League, I'd say, look, you get a pass. <laughs> Even if you get us relegated, you can stay manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got a season, yeah. You know, uh, Newcastle let Benitez stay stay with them when they got relegated, and he brought them back up. Unfortunately, sometimes the platform gets too high. Look at Portsmouth, right? Won the FA True. Cup, and just a decline from there because the ambition of the club didn't match the finances of the club. I think that happened yeah. with Leicester as well. Thankfully, though, Leicester managed to galvanise and come back stronger and benefited again the following season from not having European football. So it took Jamie Vardy a while. It took him till last season, but he did reach the Premier League 100 club. And we there can't we be too critical of that because Vardy started so late to get to the Premier League 100 club is impressive. Yeah, he's, he's done it in record, not a record, well, I don't want to say record, but it is like record time that he's turned that around in. Like, I think seasons? if Salah were to get it this year that would be the quickest i think Jeez. okay okay but it's it's been five or six seasons for jamie vardy to get to the premier league 100 club which is no small feat what i will say against vardy is that he isn't a stat padder he isn't mm-hmm. someone who scores goals loads of goals against 
low level opposition or end of table opposition. Jamie Vardy is a big game player. He scores sure. in big games and that was again highlighted this weekend against City. He has the composure, he has the grit and I think probably because everyone said to him indirectly his entire life, listen, you can only play at this level, you never play at the highest level. Yeah, for sure. That's sort of born inside of him. Well, I do play at the highest level and for a player who has been probably down to him for so long, he does probably have the right to be arrogant, I would say, about his ability or to flex on us or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, because, for sure. You know, people got to remember, Vardy's 33 and he's just scored a hat-trick against City. And he's got five goals in the Premier He's Premier League top goal scorer again. And I psyched him off a couple of weeks ago. He said, oh, he ain't going to Yeah, you were against him. You were against him. Listen... Yeah, okay. He has had, I think he's had three penalties <laughs> so far this season. <laughs> you can only score what's yeah. in front of you. You can only beat what's in front of you. Before we talk about the Golden Boot and the V9 Academy, we'll talk about a questionable incident that happened with Jamie Vardy. So the reason he, I have a little bit of, I don't want to say distaste. I, I love him as a football fan, mm -hmm. but there was an incident in a casino, I think it was in uh, 2015, 2016, where he referred to a person of East Asian descent as a Jap. Mm -hmm. And Leicester had to like publicly apologise uh, for it and put him on an educational course. Now, people can write this off as whatever, but unfortunately, you have to pay. You have to pay for the, con the consequences of the actions you do. Yeah, of course. And considering that Leicester's owner at the time, and rest in peace to Leicester's owner, by the way, because he died in that helicopter crash. Yeah was of East Asian descent. So for me, it just sort of, it speaks to his character a little bit that he's from this, I'm sort of the Midlands working class lad. And, you know, I've come from a very, you know, pr probably predominantly white background or at least uh, yeah, um, for sure. intolerant background. Maybe actually, because I guess in the modern game, you would be briefed on what is appropriate and how you have to hand yourself as an ambassador for the club when you're not on the pitch, when you're off the pitch. And because he was coming through those non-league routes and those low-level league routes and then all of a sudden was thrust into limelight, maybe he just didn't have that innate professionalism that comes from years of being in an academy and stuff. Yeah, but either way is an excuse, really. Like, you've, no, you've made that action aside, like... I think fundamentally, yeah, no, I, I understand where you're coming from and sort of his personality and who he is. And I think, I think you can always kind of sense that he is that kind of lad mentality. I don't think anyone, yeah, doesn't it, see that listen, it, if he was quint, if, if you were to point to a quintessentially English footballer, not on a talent oh, yeah, basis, yeah, yeah, just yeah. on an archetype <laughs> basis, unfortunately, you would, you would point to, um, to Jamie Vardy. What sure. I will say is, though, I think those external factors about his life outside of football probably is the reason we haven't seen a film about Jamie Vardy or that Leicester 2015-2016 mm -hmm. uh, yeah. winning team because he is problematic and especially in today's climate he's extremely problematic yeah. with um you know we're trying to kick racism out of football and I'm a big advocate of that and a big believer in it and you want to make sure that everyone is I don't want to I hate to say the phrase on brand but he's not on brand it's as simple as that you know and the interesting thing about Vardy and I'll speak about this with his record breaker because he, he kind of like peaked when they won the Premier League and then he, he actually broke another record. So he is the oldest player to ever win the Golden Boot. Okay, fair. At the age of 33. Season. I don't so, know if you want that. Is, is that a record you want to hold? Like no, I think so. You want it? You're like, hey, listen, listen I, I'm like a fine wine. I get, <laughs> I get better with age. 
Yeah, hey, that's you, what, you need to be a spin doctor. That's that's what you, that's your calling in life. Just spin it, spin it, man. That is what Vardy is. He's a fine mind. He, he, a fine mind. He has literally his whole life got better with age. Listen, he'll be fifty-five in the Premier League, and he'll have scored fifty goals in a season. We're gonna have a go. It's absolute crazy. It's Senyes for the Menyes. Outrageous. You know, obviously, he had a very good season last year. Unfortunately, Leicester did capitulate towards the end, but he was. It was a very tight race, but he scored 23 goals in the Premier League. There's been a couple of times where he's been in the double digits. So before we speak about his positive exploits on the pitch, let's go through some numbers about Jamie Vardy. So in 214 appearances in the Premier League, Jamie Vardy scored 108 goals and got 29 assists. Very good. Very good conversion rate. It's just, yeah. He has, he has won the Golden Boot once, which was last season. He's yep. won Player of the Season once, which is the season they won the Premier League. He has won Goal of the Month once. He is a one-time Premier League champion. He has won Player of the Month four times, October 2015, November 2015, April 2019, and October 2019. My okay, birthday How dare you, Jamie? And what, what was the Goal of the Month? Was it the overhead kick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Class. Never won a goal of a season yet, though, Jamie. Never won a goal of a season yet, so bring it on, son. Now, in terms of years in the Premier League, in terms of what he contributed, so first season in the Premier League, very hard start, didn't do that well, only scored five goals in 34 appearances. Not good. But mm -hmm. Leicester were recently up from the Championship, it's always hard, and he was probably adapted to the game. Second year, sure. the year they won the Premier League title, he scored 24 goals in 36 appearances, really, really good. Nice. Following season, this is the year where they really struggled post um, success. Yeah, thirty-five appearances, only thirteen goals. Big drop off. Yeah, big. Maybe looking at the numbers here is probably indicative that the quality of striker in the Premier League may have, or maybe team <laughs> may may have come down, but maybe teams yeah. were scoring more across their front three or two or whatever, so goals sure. were shared. So, following year, he scored 20 goals in 37 appearances, another good year. That was the year that Salah broke yeah. the record with 32, and Harry Kane got 30 goals that season as well. So, again, Jeez. lots of competition that year, very yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah it's a numbers. tough one. 2018-2019, uh, 18 goals in 34, uh, 34 appearances. Again, he's finding that consistency, fine wine, mm. getting better with age. Well, not better, but at least being consistent. Last season, he scored 23 goals in 35 appearances. It's good. What, what I will say is that he was incredibly poor towards the end of last season, and I don't think he scored post-lockdown maybe one goal in about yeah. eight games. There was a fact about that on the, in the game at the weekend. I can't remember, but the commentator did say it was his first in like... Yeah, exactly. Since so, January? Since January last year, I think? Was it his first away January goal? It might have been yeah, his first since, away goal. Yeah, yeah since yeah. like January, and I was like, that's, that's crazy stats. Oh, look, I told you, Jamie Vardy loves the King Power Stadium, and you know he did have the he did have the opportunity to go to Arsenal and be a rotation sub once they won the league, mm. and he chose to stay at Leicester. And I think though, while he hasn't won more trophies in the long run, it's probably been better for his numbers statistically because that setup is built around Jamie Vardy. And when they had the manager that took took over after Ranieri, I can't remember who it was. Oh, it's Poyle. Poyle yeah. did not rate Vardy and did not build the system around him. And that's why his goals dropped off so much. Yeah. And when Brendan Rodgers came in, he saw that Vardy is the heart of the team in terms, in terms of if he plays well, everyone plays well. He is integral. His numbers are integral. He doesn't set him up, but he's so dangerous in his 
off the ball running that he splits mm. defensive lines. Yeah, so, you, you've got to follow him. You've got to follow him. Yeah, defenders, because of, at 33, he is frighteningly fast, Ian, I will say. Pacing. He's very, very quick for a 33-year-old so man. fast. He, he breaks away. He does what Jesse Lingard does, but he does it well instead, and Jesse Lingard does it like a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Off the ball running is not done by enough uh, Premier League attackers at the moment. Look, the likes of Kane can't do it and stuff because they don't have the legs for it. But your other def- your other offensive players should be doing it, right? Creating the space. Yeah, he yeah, creates yeah. space. He creates opportunity. He steps up and takes their penalties. Awesome, awesome, awesome player. Now this season, five goals and three appearances at the moment. Could be his best year yet, and I might have to eat that humble pie. He's an interesting package. He's a bit of a mixed bag, but I will say something positive about his off-the-pitch off the endeavours, at least. He started something called the, the V9 Academy, which is obviously his number, and it's an annual week-long camp designed to offer coaching and guidance to 60 non-league players and offer them the opportunity to showcase their talent in front of scouts from Premier League clubs or English League clubs. He is very much grateful that he managed to break away from his non-league roots and wants yeah. to get back to that opportunity. Isn't there something similar in the NFL? It's called like the combine or something where people that get released have a second chance if they're not scouted, get the second chance to go into the NFL if they're the best at this like best of the rest event. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of a 1v100 kind of situation where, you know, if you battle it out, you, you have another chance. Uh, but I mean, like, that's what we want to see from like you know it's something big that footballers have they have a platform and it's always a shame when they don't use it and i think quite often we don't get to see footballers using the platform Mm. you know i think rashford has proved this year like how to use that platform but we just don't talk about it enough i think the the media is way too interested in the The antics and like the the negatives exactly so it is great to hear that he's been doing something like that i didn't even know who was involved in that and like that's what we need. We want to see more players. We want to see more games. Like we love the sport. So why wouldn't you put your passion back into your passion? Listen, I completely agree, and I think that kind of ties nicely into what I was saying about how uh, foot, at least you footballers nowadays are sort of primed on how they should be ambassadors for their clubs, especially yeah, in England. Rashford's clearly had that training. Vardy didn't, and maybe we can sort of excuse some misgivings because of that. But at the end of the day, he does have a pretty risque past in, in some regards For a couple of funny other little anecdotes I'll tell you about Jamie oh, Vardy quick is that in December 2015 the Leicester based food manufacturer Walkers brought out a limited edition Vardy salted crisp flavour in recognition of his record breaking goal scoring run which is very cool that's cool. That's here's good. here's something about goal and probably ties into why because he's so problematic it hasn't actually been made right okay Adrian uh, Butchart I know <laughs> great name <laughs> English writer of the Goal series of football-related fiction films finished a script in 2016 for a film about Jamie Vardy. However, no I student... remember this. I yeah. remember this circulating. Yeah, but no one wanted to option it because of how problematic he was, and that's the issue. I remember the Jamie Vardy story. I remember that one circulating. Vardy is also an ambassador for the Dorothy uh, Goodman School, a special needs school in, in in Hinkley, Leicestershire, which is good as well. Again, yeah, yeah. Okay. but. I don't want to be like really like <laughs> pessimistic and cynical, but after, wa- anyway. after watching the All or Nothing documentary, I see that the club actually forces players to go to certain things. Like not that they don't want to do it, but they're sort of obligated to. Yeah, but, that, uh, but that's but that's that's 
you know, that's corporation doing it. Like, I, I mean, I used to work for a company and they used to force charity days on you. And it's like, well, you're just, and, and charities complained about those days because they're like, you're forcing people on us. We don't have the work for them to do. We need them spread throughout it's, the year. It's, not one it's, day all, all, it's all you know? PR, right? They all love it. It is, exactly. Whereas I think the V9 and all that stuff, like that's him doing his thing. And I think this, uh, the Dorothy School as well is definitely him doing his thing because it's, it's from his hometown as well, so. And and, li- and listen to this as well. I'll tell you this about Vardy. He he spoke about this during the um, the Euros in 2019. Uh, mm. Sorry, no, 2016. He said his life's his unusual lifestyle choices for a professional sports person that he does not exercise in a gym and that he consumes Red Bull caffeinated beverages and he, he eats some sort of smokeless tobacco basically. And he and he, he plays he plays professional sport uh, sport to a high level. But he's and, a true Sunday leaguer. Yeah, but saying? the thing is, he is he's a Sunday leaguer that's made it in the Premier League. And don't get me wrong, it's, I think he's probably impressive. he's probably a testament to natural ability versus um, yeah, oh, that's all. Or, yeah, you know, he's in the, the whole Messi Ronaldo thing. He is he is the Messi in that scenario. He's a natural yeah. finisher. He's a natural poacher. He's very very clinical. He's I think when his pace finally drops off, Vardy won't be as effective in front of goal. I just think mm. that's the reality. However, I will say he is a truly unique footballer. He doesn't fit the mold. Now, I know I've said that every week. Oh, human sons are truly yeah, unique. Yeah. No, but I, yeah. we, we've been blessed in a way, but it's also a curse because the, the first three showcases have been like top quality players. There will come times yeah, where there isn't one. <laughs> You know, and, and they're just like average footballers who have done exceptionally well on, on that. That's when, that's when I want to see how you weave that story. That's when I'm going to be the most interested. Is Look, how you make... I felt conflicted about this one because while on paper his narrative is good, Vardy is a, a conflicting personality for me. Like, yeah. I rate, I, like, like I've said, I rate him as a footballer, but as a person I'm a little bit on and off. But that's, but that's, what, that's, what, makes, that's what makes great drama, isn't it? Is those two butting heads. So... Because if he, he would be condemned by the left. That's what I'm. That's all I'm saying. He would be <laughs> condemned by the left. His trespasses would not be forgiven, and no matter. But the thing is, you have to separate. I'm a big advocate that you have to separate the art from the artist sometimes in some situations because more than it's not. It's not reflective on the rest of the Leicester team. The rest of the Leicester team aren't, uh, by extension or by proxy, Jamie Vardy's thoughts, opinions, mm. or actions. You know, he's part of that Leicester unit, but there are eleven players. There are twenty-three players that play in that team. But as as is a big thing with culture now, it's about what you're doing going forwards, and it's recognizing your mistakes and moving forwards with that. And I think Vardy is someone who is going to move forwards. I think he's going to start recognizing. Oh yeah, that. I mean those those questionable actions were very early days in his Premier League career. Exactly. I, think, and I think I think it's a lot. You go from like probably what 250 quid a week to like two grand a week and then all of a sudden yeah, it's, probably about 70 grand a week it's it's, it's it's a child star situation you know you've been in a, look, a little vacuum of whatever and now you're out in the big time anyone know as soon as you get a little bit of money that is like surplus to requirements you get a little bit like oh <laughs> you get frisky yeah we a little bit more fruity <laughs> than you normally would with the cash sure. and unfortunately that does in abundance i imagine lead to a lifestyle which makes you constantly fruity and not in the Indeed. not in the traditional connotation sense. Well, I mean, we've looked forward, we've looked back. So should we look forward again and see what's coming up in the next week? It sounds good to me. 
Will Jamie Vardy have another party? Let's find out. Ooh. So, well, right, okay. Actually, we're going to have to look back first. <laughs> we look forwards, right? Oh, yeah, man, this is... You've messed it up. No, I've um, messed it up. Here we go, right. So, let's go back to last week's games. Go on, then. Let's, let's see if I've got any points. That's what I watch the games for now. I just batch the scores. Like, did I say that or did I say that? No, I think I messed up this week. I know my Crystal Palace prediction didn't come in, which I'm gutted about. Looking back to the head-to-head results from last week, Ian, you, you mother trucker, you thought Brighton were going to beat Manchester United, and you were wrong, so no points for Ian. I've won the first two weekends at the moment, so it's 2-0 to me oh, in terms really? of the overall. Oh, really? What a surprise. You're winning the fantasy league, you're winning this. Oh, to be honest, we all had a poor fantasy league this week. Oh, it was it absolutely was, it trash. Was terrible. I, look, I told you, I put Human Sun in, hit the bar twice, got went off with an injury. I was like, great. <laughs> Uh, I, I did believe United were going to win. I put 3-1. So close. I know. That's now, only one point, right? One point. Mm-hmm. That's one point. Yeah. Now, do you want to know the real heartbreaking thing? What? I put 2-1, Everton, Crystal Palace. <laughs> that's three points for me. Yes. And you put 1-0, yeah. and you even put that they were going to have a second. Zaha was allowed. <laughs> So, I had uh, faith. I see, had faith. But points. next week, I'm definitely putting something on a handball. I'm putting a 90-plus minute penalty handball <laughs> or something. We both foolishly said that we thought Chelsea were going to win, and we were both incorrect. So let's quickly move on. I said 2-0. <laughs> oh, no, you said 2-0. I said 4-1. So I'll egg on my face. Oh, you thought. You thought. Now, Burnley-Southampton. I <laughs> thought it was going to be a draw, so I get no points. You thought Southampton were going to win. So you thought it was going to be 3-1. So you get a point. Well done. That's the zero points for moi. Sheffield leads. I again, You've gained a point here again. We didn't actually speak about leads, but I will briefly say, defensively, they were much better this week. They, now, they're getting there. I mean, Sheffield are terrible offensively this season. I think that's the problem as well. Yeah. Now, you put 5-2, <laughs> and it was 1-0 leads. But you do get the point because you got the result right. I put a draw, so no point for me. Now, we both had Spurs to win. I had Spurs to win 3-0. You had it 2-0. No no points either. Now, you're a bastard because you put Leicester to win. (laughs) I knew I had one. I knew I had one. You put Leicester to win and I put Leicester to lose. I I think if we go back to that recording, you also ripped me apart for saying that. I did. I thought you were a fool. (laughs) And, and part of me still thinks you were, but they won. West Ham Wolves. Well, I thought Wolves were going to win, and you thought they were going to draw. Okay. You thought Villa were going to win, and I thought Fulham were going to win. So that's another point for you. Oh, here we go. Now, I had 2-1 Arsenal, but you had 2-1 Liverpool. You were very close to a perfect score there. Now, I think, even though I got the perfect score, I think you have won. I think I think it's tied. I think it's tied. Let's find out. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is counting them. So, what we got, Harley? What we got? So it's uh, five four to Ian Ooh. this week, which makes it two one to me at the moment in terms of each game week. Jeez, you right, mother this tracker. Week, this week, now this week, week I gotta get it. I got out my game. I wasn't ready. I'm ready now. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been ready. Yeah, that well, mean, you're ready. That astronaut me yeah. <laughs> always have been. Right, okay. So right, look, looking ready, to the weekend. I, well, I have to. It's redemption arc. I have no choice. Okay, so, sorry, sorry. Stepping on the toes. Chelsea Crystal Palace is the first game. 
tough, really tough game. Mm. Palace, will they be like defeatist about their result? Will it cause them to crumble? Do Chelsea have a point to prove considering they went out of the Carabao Cup? Mm. Very hard game to call. I'm going to go 2 1 Chelsea. Wait, sorry, who did they go out to the Carabao Cup to? Oh, Tottenham, Ian. Oh, I, I, actually, really? I actually wanted Spurs to win that game. Uh, my partner and I watched uh, the yeah. penalty shootout, and when Mason Mount hit the post, I was like, Wee! Talking to you like, As a neutral. Gone. Tell me how there wasn't a hole in the bottom left hand corner of that goal by the end. Oh, I know. Everyone went left. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? And no keeper. The keeper did the psych yeah. out thing. Where they're like, I don't want to be the first keeper to go that way. And then it's wrong. Crazy. Although I will no. say, Chelsea's new keeper looks looks good. He does look good. He looks better. At right. Um, so I've gone sorry, to one. I to to who? Chelsea. Yeah. I'm gonna go three two, Crystal Palace. Oh my god. Well, you might be right. Palace, look up for it. I just hope they can bounce back for sure. Don't, become derailed even though they beat us and I wish nothing but pain upon them next game Everton Brighton Brighton look good but Everton are they going to continue I I think they are Um, yeah I'm going to back Everton I'm going to go 2-0 Everton hmm I'm going to go I think it's going to be 3-1 3-1 Everton I I think Brighton are very attacking orientated at the moment and Trossard is mm-hmm. lethal apart from against United who he seems to not be able to score against but I expect him to score against Everton sure. Everton still have that slight frailty at the back that's all that concerns me now here's a game Leeds United now statistically when Man City lose they tend to punish the team after them for sure but historically mm-hmm. I think Leeds are going to be really up for it. That's what I think. I think it's a big occasion. I think Bielsa's going to want to be like, look, we're not backing down. However, I have seen Leeds very vulnerable at the back and City are lethal on the attack if you do not defend well. I think it could be high scoring. is Is it going to be high scoring or is it going to be really boring? No. City will, will want to bounce back. Yeah. Guardiola will okay. be like, look, that, that's for me at least. I'm going to go at 4-2 City. Okay, okay. Um, see, I was thinking 4-3 City. 4-3, okay. Price is right, me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> now, your boy Glenn's team up next. Newcastle versus Burnley. Tough. That's tough. Yeah, probably... probably Steal it in the 90 plus minute from a stupid handball. That's how the Newcastle play. Don't be bitter, Ian. <laughs> bitterness. No bitterness here. No bitterness. Don't be bitter. Be better. Come on. Okay. Is it? I'm going first, right? This is my yep. choice. Um, I'm still going to back Newcastle. I think Newcastle are looking good. I'm going to go 2 0 Newcastle. Yeah, I think. I think both teams have looked average, but I think Burnley have looked mm. particularly uninspired in front of goal. So I would be inclined to agree. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. I think this could be a draw. Uh, right. Leicester City, West Ham. Now, are we going to go by the logic that because West Ham should lose this game, they might win this game? That's very uh, true. Do we, have a, do we have a flip-flop here with Leicester, where, again, they've beaten City, but then they lose to West Ham. They are at the King Power. 
It's a hard game to call. I, I actually think Leicester are going to win 3 0. I don't know why. I just think Leicester look good. They look motivated. Vardy's on form. And whenever Vardy is yeah. on form, it's always, there's always that risk factor. No, I think I'm pretty much going to agree with you. But I'm going 3 1. I think West Ham are still going to have some steam and they're going to get up the other end for a goal. It's a Brucey bonus. Now, Southampton versus West Brom. Tough. Could it be? Could it be interesting, or could it just be completely? Boring? It could be really boring. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, well, has any West Brom game been boring so far? I think there's been lots of goals. Everton five two. Yeah. Three three, and the yeah. and the, obviously the first game of the season they lost three 0 to Leicester. That was it. So. Yeah. Who knows? The problem is, I think Southampton are in that weird phase where they're being extra defensive because they don't want to lose games, so that they're being mm. less proli- or less prolific going forward. I guess they're only getting like one goal, one goal, one goal yeah. game, one goal win. So I this know, way, you go first yeah. on this one. I'm gonna go one all. I think it's gonna be yeah. Mm, I'm gonna go three, one Southampton. Yeah, I just think the two teams that just counteract each other, really, if I'm honest. I feel you. It's th- those are hard games to call. Those mm. are the ones where you look at your accumulator and think, mm, do I do two accumulators and put the result either way? Well, the next one should be pretty straightforward, right? Well, yes. I would think Arsenal versus Sheffield should be, but you never know with Arsenal. Yeah, very true. Are they going to go downhill now that the undefeated season's where over? The, me- the, the mentality is the important thing here. Do Arsenal... Yeah. Fight back! Look, it's a loss. We move on. Yeah, we could have we could have got something from Liverpool. We didn't, but we're definitely going to get something from Sheffield. What I will briefly say about Arsenal's performance is that Aubameyang was completely invisible in that game, completely. Mm-hmm. So, but I will say Aubameyang does score quite a lot against low tier opposition. So I would expect him to score this week. What are you saying? Oh, is it me? No, it's you. It's you. I get, I get to choose the next game, which I'm so excited for. Four 0 Arsenal. Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. I'm going to go 1-0 Arsenal. I can see that as well. <laughs> you never know. Right, Wolves versus Fulham. Wolves versus Fulham. Um, that's tough. I mean, both so in- uninspiring at the weekend. Yeah, that is hard. Yeah. And Fulham have been doing well against the lower sides. Like their game against Leeds, they look strong. Yeah, but would you consider? Would you, I don't know. Have, Wolves aren't a lower tier team. They finished oh, like seventh they, last season. Yeah, but what have they done so far this season? Maybe I'm just judging it too harshly off of last week. Tough. I'm. Uh, let's go for Desmond on that one. Let's go two two. Two two. All right. I'm going to go three one Wolves. I don't know. I just think Wolves are going to have to bounce back. They don't have a choice. Sure. Right. Right, here we go. Big yeah. game time. Who are you going to back? Who are you going for? What's Sorry. Going Sorry, headphone <laughs> listeners for that. Manchester United versus Spurs. My team versus Ian's team. The granddaddy of them all. The gladiator event. Two teams enter the Thunderdome. Only one team can leave. Hmm. Look. We've been terrible. <laughs> We've been so bad, but we looked all we looked all right against Brighton. Yeah, right. As in, like a midweek game. You've been great this week. You haven't got Hyunmin Son. 
This is game number four of the week. Game number, I, I think you're going to be fatigued. I think Mourinho thinks you're going to be fatigued because he kind of hinted at his post-match talk yeah. last night. But we are terrible. Bail, 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 bail. We're terrible. <laughs> bail. Look, it's a really hard game to score. I think it's going to be a 2-1 United. That's what I'm going for. I have to, I've always said I will, yeah, always, I back, yeah. I will always back United, always back. even if I don't think they're going to win. You don't think I'm going to back Spurs in this? There's no oh, way I'm going to say well, no. There's no way well, I'm saying them. Uh, sorry, didn't you back? Oh uh, no, I did. Southampton I did. the other day. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. I did go against my team, but not when you're sat opposite me having this combo. Of course, I'm backing my team. Um, whew. so you're saying two-one to Spurs? Good choice there. No, um, saying two-one United. <laughs> I'm gonna go three-one Spurs. <sighs> see it that's the thing i could see it i think i think i think bale comes on breaks the one all deadlock and then we just you know keep going from there keep on trucking i hope not right aston villa versus liverpool this is slaughterhouse rules right yeah this no, i'm just going three nil three nil three nil liverpool i don't i know it's your turn to go first but i'm just going that just want to jump on it you just want to jump. see i'm gonna i'm gonna go um I don't know. I really don't know. Have Liverpool kept a clean sheet so far? No, I think they're going to concede for sure. Wait, hang on. Who was Liverpool's second game? Chelsea. Yes, they have kept a clean Chelsea, sheet. Yeah. Still Villa at the end of the day, though, mate. Yeah, I know it is, but it's how many they're going to put past before Liverpool sort of kick in gear. 3 1. I'm going to go, same as I said before, 3 1, but this is for Liverpool. Not, not, not Villa. Not, not back in Villa. I don't blame you. I, I see it very clean cut. I see, to be honest, on paper, I see, uh, bar the, the two very like evenly split games, I do see just a very uh, standard weekend of results. Yeah. We, we had too much craziness last week. We, we can't have any more craziness. It's not possible. There is, mm-hmm. There's a limit, there's quota on craziness, and we, we've hit it last um, weekend. I'm still expecting it. I still think it's going to be crazy. I'm still going to have a fun I'd time. I'd love it if it was. If Villa yeah. beat Liverpool, that would be chaos for Absolutely. an Everton one. Liverpool were going to mount down if yes. that happened. So. Senyes. Let's have it. Let's have it. Well, listen, it's been another very long podcast, even though we promised we would condense the time. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the showcase. Mr. Vardy having his party. Ian finally defeating me when it comes to uh, the result weeks, even though I say finally and it's only been three game weeks. I'm still winning in the FPL, though, Ian. Never forget it. Hopefully next week will not be too painful for one of us. The best result for us would be a draw on paper. (laughs) Probably in terms of equal pain or the the share of pain. It's going to be an interesting game week. We apologise for the slight delay on this podcast coming out, just a couple of scheduling conflicts, but we promise in the future we will endeavour to release it on time, which is Friday at 4pm. Just as a couple of little last-minute plugs, you can catch me on twitch.tv slash sonofrachel, which is S-O-N-O-F-R-A-C-H-E-L. Can't even spell my name. Here we go. I can't even spell my own mother's name. There will be an abundance of FIFA 21 on there, uh, as well as you can catch us on Instagram at brace yourselves podcast where we will be updating you as and when we go live in terms of the podcast so thank you to all the listeners really appreciate it thank you much love and peace out always peace